episode 23. Some crazy shit happened last time. Let's see. Dirk, uh, Tug, why don't you give us the recap this time? Uh, so the naval battle began. Um, Carl dressed as a knight or paladin, whatever those are. Myself dressed as Reptar and Durf dressed as King Kong. Uh, we were approached by two ships, uh, Nancy and Sally. Nancy from the north, Sally from the south. And during our confrontation with that, the large black ship of Andro da- uh, Andre Dash and Mayo, um, the leader of the uh, tentacle pirates, um, <laughs> went ahead and they, they joined the fray. Um, we were able to dispatch both of the uh, subpar ships, Nancy and Sally, and uh, board the large black ship, take care of everybody on there rather swiftly, um, and we are crashing into Dragonspire Island as these black shapes from the sky ravage uh, the black ship that we have just dismantled and destroyed. Sweet. Very good. Very good. You wake and spit sand from your mouths as you strain your eyes against the hot sun that bears down on you. You get up to find yourselves on a white sand beach on a circular island no more than a quarter to half a mile wide. The sea extends on either side of you with no land in sight. Reliance is cocked sideways nearby halfway through the sand. Passengers stumble out of a large hole in its hull, and its ripped sails hang haphazardly from broken masts. Sierra winces in pain and clutches her left arm as she helps Eleanor to her feet. They share an embrace before dashing into the ship to go find Pip. Abby helps Tarkin steady himself against his accordion as Jim leaps onto Captain Jacob's chest who eventually coughs up a great amount of water and blood before clumsily pushing himself up on his two wooden legs. Before you lies a thick row of jungle trees that branch out in all directions. Beyond the brush, high above the canopy in the center of the island, you see a magnificent pure white painted lighthouse, a bright green flame glowing at its top at least 300 feet up into the clear skies. Uh, give me a perception check, all of you. By the way, what about the tourists? Are they still? Are they all dead? I said. I said they were stumbling out of the ship. Oh, okay. Uh, I said the passengers. Yeah. Uh, Durf rolls a. What's my perception? Good as fuck. Nineteen. Okay. Eighteen for Tug. Okay. Fifteen for Carl. Okay. All three of you notice as you look down at your hands that the marks that are on your hands are completely gone. They're missing completely. And you just feel different on this island. There's no way to explain it. You just feel different. Almost like you just crashed a ship, but somehow you're content with it. It's a very odd feeling. What do you want to do? There's people around you. Obviously, your com- your comrades, Sierra and Eleanor, do find Pip. And they kind of bring him out onto the beach, uh, making sure he's okay. And they, like, all hug and, and just... Uh, are kind of like settled over there by the ship. Well, D- Durf detransforms, and he's like. Oh, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, also, also, that you something you notice since you're looking at your hands. You guys are back in your normal outfits, essentially. 
Your your costumes are gone. Interesting. That's a bummer. Durf takes mental note of that, and uh, he turns toward the 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 other passengers, the tourists, and says, "And this completes the Reliance." Pirate battle experience. Let's give the crew a hand. And that same guy from when you first took off from uh, Kingston Landing is like, where's the penguins? Uh, We'll be running penguin tours momentarily. Hold tight for that. Yeah, okay. (laughs) And um, I guess Jim and Captain Jacob kind of stumble over to you. And he says, boys, boys, I was out for a while. Tell what happened. You got fucking rocked, man. You got <laughs> fucking rocked. Um, we took over your ship and we defeated three ships full of pirates because we're the shit. And uh, then we wrecked your ship into this island. And here we are. Probably all going to die. Holy, holy shit. We, we got to get back to sea. We, we got we to repair the ship and get going. I have no that no expertise in that, so best of luck to you and the crew. I believe in you. We're gonna go to the lighthouse because it seems like a focal point in the island and a great plot device to drive the story forward. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cap, you start working on the ship. You give us two days. If we're not back in two days and the ship is fixed. Guys, I run a business. I can't give you two days. Uh, We can get this ship up and running by the end of the day, or at least tomorrow morning. That's beautiful, my man. You're also only alive because we saved you. And we saved all the other people that are still alive on the ship. So imagine the uh, Yelp reviews your company would get (laughs) if... Everyone had died, except for <laughs> us, who would be leaving the angry Yelp review. And Jim, Jim says, "You know, Captain, I saw what they did, and Nate. You know, he's got a point. He's got a point." And Captain Jacob is like, "Fine, fine. We'll, we'll, we'll wait for you, but, but my passengers aren't going to be happy." Okay, uh, Durf I mean, to placate the passengers. Uh, finger guns towards the end of the beach. And summons, I don't even know if this is a thing, uh, but I'm going to assume they would have challenge rating one-fourth or lower. So, Durf summons eight penguins. Oh, guys, look! Look, penguins! And the passengers, even though they're bruised and broken, their spirits seem to be lifted just a slight bit. Just a little bit. (laughs) There you go, Durf. Way to go, kid. And and Sierra and Eleanor bring Pip over, and Abby and Tarkin make their way over, um, and Sierra says... Are you guys are you guys going inland? Because we're with you if you go. <laughs> so is that a yes? <laughs> are, we, are you are you sure you want to bring Pip into the forest? Uh, well, clearly any place is going to be safer than around the captain in this ship. Burn. Uh, I'm going with you. No, no, <laughs> I don't think that's the right choice. If you go with us, who's going to defend? These people, and more importantly, the penguins. Uh, (laughs) um, Can your kid fight? Jim Jim pipes up, and Jim pipes up. He says, we didn't lose any of the crew, thank goodness. They all survived, and they're all packed with weapons. If anything goes down outside here, 
We'll be fine. We'll be ready to protect him. Okay, you guys did great last time. Let's go. We've got the golden skull ring the thing to go get. All right. Um, okay, so so Captain Jacob, Jim, the crew, the passengers, they all stay behind as your normal companions, Eleanor, Sierra, who are with Pip in tow, Abby, and Tarkin all head with you through the brush. And you make your way through the thicket of jungle trees, climbing over thick roots and fallen tree trunks and branches and brush. Can Durf do a nature check for useful nature things? Like herbs? Sure. I feel like that's a thing he would do. Uh, yeah. 22. Oregano yeah, as you're, everywhere. As you're walking through... <laughs> As you are walking through, um, everything seems very plain. I, I don't know how to explain this. Uh, it's not like the forests around Woodhaven that you've seen where there's like a plethora of different colors and different um, flowers and herbs and useful things. It's pretty much just like thick, plain brush with big trunks of trees that kind of uh kind of like branch out in all directions up high and to the left. And some of them are broken. There's not really much you see except for basically wooden leaves all over the place, different shapes and sizes. Okay. And no, no like leaves with medicinal value. Not that you can tell, not that you can tell. Actually, most of them are things you are not familiar with at all. Even though you rolled so high, um, you haven't seen plant life like this before. Okay. And after a few minutes through this brush, it's not long before you begin to hear the sounds of voices. You hear male, female, children voices. You hear dogs barking. You begin to hear music. And you finally break through the trees. And before you lies a small village with dozens of people milling about. Children run about in the town square, spinning around a maypole or hopping across great puzzles that they've drawn into the dirt. Friends and couples hold hands as they mingle around shops or pop in and out of various cottages below the lighthouse. You smell spiced apples and cooking meat coming from the smoking chimneys of several of them. Men and women sit and laugh with large iron goblets full of ale outside a tavern from which you can hear jovial accordion music coming from the inside. The farms and fields spotted around the village are full of creatures, both big and small, that derf you've never seen before. There are small two-legged creatures with long snouts that hop to and fro amongst the brightly colored flowers that speckle the landscape on the fields. And there's great big beasts with the heads of a bull but the long, scaly bodies of giant lizards that graze among the grasses. And in the center of all of this, this beautiful sight is this magnificent lighthouse, towering above the village and reaching up into the sky. Its white stone seems to almost glisten in the sunlight. And seeing this whole scene, you instantly feel both at home and sick to your stomach. And the reason that that is is because this place reminds you in almost every way, except for the fact that you're in an island, of Woodhaven. Hmm. Woodhaven 2.0! <laughs> to the toad! <laughs> we, we, we build a house and just live there in happiness forever, the end. 
<laughs> uh, in all seriousness, Tug is going to the tavern, obviously. Now that he okay. is obviously a barkeep and an experienced accordion player. Durf yeah. is suspicious. And... Okay. okay. Okay, hold on. Of all the things I've been suspicious of this whole time, this this is the one that you guys are going to pull the trigger We're on? We're on, like, <laughs> Dragon Murder Island, and we were just on a ship that got completely annihilated by amorphous black spirits that we never recognize, and we're crashed up on this island that everybody who goes to dies, and we just walk up on a fucking village? Yes, I'm suspicious. Whole village murder. <laughs> Carl's sister oh, taken. <laughs> take a MacGuffin. And give it to a strange yes, old man. And that was extremely bad and dangerous, which this could also be. <laughs> Hindsight's clearly 2020 here. You're This you're, is forward side. We are on a <laughs> no. very short timeline. I think we should just head straight to the lighthouse. Then we don't have to see whether the village is good or bad. We can just go around it. Make the, our way to the lighthouse. Durf, Durf says, Durf says oh, I Boring. didn't say we needed to skip the town. I, I'll head down to the tavern. I'm just suspicious about it. Tug <laughs> walks up to the nearest adult, whatever they are, and just simply asks, what is this place? <laughs> uh, okay, so you, you come across this older gentleman. Uh, he's got like a... A graying beard. Uh, I'd say he's about like five foot four ish. He's a little on the shorter side. Um, long gray beard. And he turns towards you and he says, Oh, well, welcome to Dragonspire Island. You must be the newcomers. Are you sure this place isn't called Hood Maven? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I've lived here my whole life. How long has that been? Two, three hours? No, I'm I'm 85 years old. I ask him if he's real, and I pull on his beard. <laughs> okay, uh, you you tug on his beard, and it's real. I mean, you could you, he like his head jerks down, and he's like, "Hey, hey, what's that all about?" Yeah, uh, my bad. Uh, Durf's like, uh, okay, wh- uh, I'll, I'll just throw it out there. I don't mean to be rude, throw shade at your island. It seems like a very nice island. Uh, where we're from, which is obviously not here. Rumor has it everybody who comes here uh, disappears forever, probably dies. What's the deal with this place? Are you guys going to eat us? No, I eat you. <laughs> and he laughs and he says, no, no, no. This is this is Dragonspire Island. It's it's a, a wonderful place. Like I said, I've lived here my whole life. My my parents, my grandparents, my grandparents, parents have lived here. Guys, guys. Maybe no one comes back because this place is so fucking sweet. (laughs) I'm going to need to do tavern-related research. Just as you say that, you hear this loud sound coming from in the tavern as the music starts to pick up, and Tarkin perks up as he hears accordion, and he says, Boys, the accordion, I hear it. Uh, These are my people. I must go see. And at the same time, Abby starts to be drawn towards the field where he sees these like large creatures. And he's like, ooh, ooh, 
ooh, ooh, and he starts walking in that direction. Um, all the while you're talking to this man, these children that are nearby are like calling Pip over to come play, and Sierra and Eleanor are a little weary. They walk over with him, but and, and just watch closely as he starts to play with these children. So before, as as people are starting to walk away, uh, I'm going to mm-hmm. cast Divine Sense. Ooh, okay. Nice. Just um, so, so that's just something you do, right? Yes. Okay. So, um, what does it look like when you're casting this? Um, it's it's really just kind of like a tightening of the like a of the eyes. They can just try and um, focus all of my mental capacity on noticing anything around me that just seems like. Not okay. right, like evil, weird, okay. magical stuff. Okay, so you you try to draw on this divine power from from Mashakal. You close your eyes, you like raise your hands a little bit, and try to feel the energy. Um, but you don't feel anything. It's as if the power that was once beyond you that you used with your god is gone. Almost like Mashakal is not there. We're in a dream world. <laughs> We're in the upside down. Turf <laughs> uh, does a demogorgon check. Any demogorgons around? <laughs> um, Tug is pretty committed to some tavern-related research, so he will be going to the tavern. Uh, Durf would like to have a beer before they before we all get killed by whatever freakish presence uh, controls this island. All right, retweet. Okay. Carl, I will you heading with him? follow, but I am still very cautious and I will not be drinking anything from this bar. OK. All right. So you follow Tarkin in, who's just making a beeline up the stairs of the nearest tavern. Uh, you can tell it's a tavern because of how many people are out kind of like drinking, drinking goblets. And you walk in and the scene is just jovial. People are are dancing along the main floor. Um, People are standing on tables, just waving ales back and forth. There's a group of three or four accordion players in the corner playing a tune, and Tarkin walks up to them, and they call him over, and they strike up a new song with him as the lead. And it's just a a wonderful sight, like the best bar that you think you've ever been in. Durf, side-eyes everyone. Guys, this is the second best bar we've ever been in. <laughs> Actually, technically, now it is the best bar because the other one got destroyed and burned to the ground. So, ha 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 on our lives, I guess. Tug follows Durf up to the bar and uh, tries to strike up a conversation with the bartender. Yeah, you see this bald bald man. He's got the only hair on his on his face is actually on his in his chops. Like, he's got mutton chops, no full beard, and his head is completely bald. He's a taller man, a little bulky, um, and he says, What can I get you, sus? Beer. Beers. Dragon, dragon spider, pale ale. Beers? Well, can I interest you in a drink? We call it the sweaty toad. Uh, yes. That, this is very bizarre. How did, <laughs> how did you come across the recipe for a sweaty toad? It's been in this bar for generations, sir. That's a lie. Disrespectfully disagree. What's this bar called? What's this bar called? Why, it's the Leaky Toad, sir. Did you not see the sign? 
we need to get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Tug runs over, flips the nearest table, and runs out. (laughs) Turf. Turf follows. Okay, um yeah, you 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 rush out and on the porch to stop you are uh, the men and women that were standing there before and they both they all just kind of collectively say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, what's the big idea? Where are you headed? Stay a while. Here, take a beer." And they hand you guys a goblet of ale. Hermit opens cask on all those motherfuckers. <laughs> Tug's not playing this shit. Okay. There's one Woodhaven, there's one Leaky Toad, and there's only one Sweaty Toad. <laughs> Tug ain't playing this shit. All right. Uh, so what do I have to roll? I can, Technically, I can only target once, but they have to do a deck save. Okay. All right. Um, you go to leap up at the just basically the guy that's in front of you at the top of the stairs, and he reaches out with both hands and grabs your ankles unmoving completely unmoving and he kind of sets you down and he says now 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 sir let's have none of that the light keeper wants to see you no thank you sir says uh we're gonna die no thank you back to the ship (laughs) uh no he's not having any of that he grabs you by the collar and points you in the direction of the lighthouse and he says, before you do anything, the light keeper wants to see you. And as he as he finishes saying that, uh, Carl kind of waves the dirt, waves him over, walks up to the gentleman, says, uh, thank you, sir. We will be on our way. We will head right to see the light keeper post haste. And I grab Tug and start walking him. Uh, he he drops turf. He or he drops Tug. He uh Let's go with his collar. And he says, good, good. And they head back into the bar. You smell like tater tots and farts. Fuck you. This is Joe, your Dungeon Master. Thank you for listening to episode 23. We got an action-packed second half for you that I'm really excited for you guys to listen to. Um, and we'll be heading back to the Arcane Tower soon. So if you've got those brewery or fishery ideas, please send them in. Discord, Reddit, Facebook, Twitter, any way you can get in touch with us. We are at YMIA Tavern in most social media platforms. And speaking of Discord, uh, we would love to have you in our Discord. There is an invite. It's basically a chat system we use to uh, stay in touch with our fans. We're always in there chatting it up. There's fun stuff happening in there. Um, So if you go on to our Twitter or Facebook and you look at one of the pinned posts or one of the higher up posts, there should be an invite as well as an invite in a link in this episode description. So we'd love to have you uh, hop in the Discord. And we actually just started a play-by-post separate Discord server for those of you interested in getting in on text-based D&D. Play-by-post is 
basically uh, play at your own pace. You can post as often as you want um, what your character is doing, and there's always a DM that's um, you know will control the adventure for you. And it's just a really cool way to play D and D if you don't necessarily have a group, or if you just want to do some stuff on the on your off time that you don't necessarily have to be at a table for. So hop in that. Um, I'll put an invite. I'll put an invite in the episode description uh, in this episode, and, and there also is an invite in our on our Twitter and Facebook page as well. Okay, that was a lot to get out. Um, we want to give a very special shout-out to our $15 or more patrons on Patreon.com, Jacob Torres, David Ashley Cole, Andre K., James J.C. Klontz, and his friends Sneak Attack and Dames and Dragons podcast, Nick Sassy, Mark Albright, Tarkin Davis, Eleanor Fitchett, Sierra Clark, Michael Kenitzer, Jim Saunders, Jason Ford, James Lyon, Ursula Bertea, Chris Sale, John Dalstrom, Sean Myers, and Nathan Bellew. Thank you guys so much for your donations to the show uh, and helping us continue to grow. I guess last thing I want to say since this episode is releasing on Christmas is Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to all of you. Hope you have a safe, fun time with family and friends and you bring in the new year right and just have a great 2018. Thank you so much for making our 2017 special by listening to the show and supporting us. And we hope you can bring we hope we can bring just as much or more enjoyment to you in the upcoming year. So thank you guys so much and enjoy the rest of the episode and we'll see you in 2018. Peace out. I guess we're going to the tower. Yes, I guess. I guess yeah, that's just what yeah, we're doing now. Yeah. You use that move that usually vaporizes people and instead uh, <laughs> just snatched you right up. So I think we should probably do what he says. All right. All right. You guys head towards this big open um, open archway that leads into the lighthouse. And there is a spiral staircase leading up to the left. And you start climbing up. And it takes quite a while. It takes a few minutes to finally reach. By the time you're reaching the top, you guys are like out of breath um, of this 300 foot tall structure, multiple stories. But finally, you reach a large oak door at the top with the image of a dragon head carved into its wood. And you open the door and you find yourself at the pinnacle of the lighthouse. And it's it's this round room contained completely in these triangular glass panes so that you can see up to the sky and down to the island below. A complete glass dome. The room itself is about 40 feet in diameter and it's got these smooth stone floors and a large glass cylinder in the center. If you've ever seen a lighthouse, there's always that big giant bulb in the middle where the uh, where the light comes out and shines over the sea. But this cylindrical chamber is filled with this bright green swirling flame. Are there any people? Uh, not that you can see right now. Hey, hello, light wizard. Yeah, as soon as you say that, um, gliding around the corner of this bulb in the center is a hard-faced woman wearing all black 
except for this dark green overcoat that nearly reaches the floor. She's homey looking. Uh, She looks a little worse for wear with sunken eyes and a head of curly red hair speckled with gray roots that's tied up in silvery cords. And she doesn't look at you. She glides across the side uh, around this bulb and stares off um, over the island and over the sea. And she says, quite the view, isn't it? Yeah. Durf says, oh my God, why is everything so fucking creepy here? (laughs) Tug doesn't look. Tug makes it a point to just not look and goes, um, excuse me, Methuselah. Um, my, my name is Ilara. Ilara? Isn't that one of the sand snakes? That is not who we're looking for. (laughs) (laughs) I am the light keeper. Yeah, dope. That's that's super cool. Super cool. Um, few things. Order of business. One, place is horrifying. Two, um, are we going to make it off this island alive? Three, if we are going to make it off this island alive, can we have the golden skull ring? Um, figured I'd ask that. Scary? Our world isn't scary. You're going to learn to love it. No. Oh, yeah, we're definitely going to die here. <laughs> Look, look, and she she walks, she glides over to you, and she gestures over the uh, glass panes out to the island. And she says, look at my residents. Look at the joy on their faces. Look at the people you brought here. And you look down, um, and you see Abby is, is just like basically running around the field, arms up in the air as these animals are chasing him, just playing with these animals. Sierra and Eleanor have, have Sierra and Eleanor have kind of loosened their watch on Pip and are in this joyful conversation with this other couple as Pip is just playing with the other children, completely content. Um, Tarkin walks out of the bar with, the other four accordion players um, and they just march around the streets with not a care in the world and you see his bright smile like you have never seen it before you look out at the people of the island and you see no hatred no troubles no no fears and she says look at this have have you ever hoped for a life like this before do you not envy them uh Darf says, yes, I do, but I would like to live a life like this without whatever brain spiders you've infected us with to know what we want and give it to us. And this place is clearly fake and something terrible is going to happen. Tug turns on his proton pack. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, At this point, she turns to you now and she faces you um, because she's seeing that you guys are not pressured at all. And she says, Tug, Durf, Carl, there are powers in this world that seek to destroy you. But there is something about you three, a power you possess. I knew it as you approached my island, but it isn't untouchable. Like I can see it, but it lies just outside of my reach. I want to know this power. I offer you an opportunity to be safe, to be free from the pain and suffering of your world 
and of your heart. I know your past. I offer you a chance to forget. And as she says this, um, the sky outside grows a little darker. And she looks into your eyes, each of you, like you guys are separate, but both of all that what you see as you look at her is her eyes. And they start to glow green and her voice grows deep and hollow. And she says, this is what I offer you. And you find yourself not being able to look away. The vision of Alara begins to fade and all you see behind her is the green flames of the bulb. And then they begin to shift and change. And I want all three of you to roll a wisdom saving throw. Oh, no. That's my best um, saving throws. Oh, actually, wisdom's not bad. I have aura of protection. So whenever me or a friendly creature within 10 feet have to make a saving throw, they gain a bonus to the saving throw equal to my charisma modifier. Is that a holy kind of thing? Yes. It's one of okay, so you, part of my you, paladin jazz. Yeah, I think that seems to be under the... Uh, under the field of holy magic. So I'm going to say that you try to activate that as you see this happening, see this coming, but you can't. This aura is not. So I can fuck shit up because right now I'm not a paladin. <laughs> 17. Okay. Careful's a 23. Four. Okay. Start with Carl. So uh, Kirk, take your headphones off. Carl. As you stare into these flames, the vision around you changes and it goes dark for a moment and then fades back and you sit against a jungle tree as you look out into the great blue ocean. You hear the waves crashing in and the cool breeze blowing in. And then real quick, almost like someone's changing the channel, it goes and you see the earth turning gray as black smoke and tar spreads over the countryside. And it flashes back to the beach. Your mother sits beside you, matching your gaze out to the ocean. And she says, sure is beautiful, isn't it, Carl? And it flashes again back and you see these hairless, disfigured creatures that scamper towards you on four legs with their mouths open and their eyes turned completely black. And it flashes back to the beach. Your head turns as you hear the laughter of a young girl. Jill is at the water's edge, splashing in the current as it ebbs and flows over the beach. And once again, and you see Barty and Marty huddled behind the Whetstone Inn bar, just clutching each other, sobbing as the walls around them shake. And you're back to the beach. Jill rushes towards you and lands feet first, kicking a wave of sand at your feet. Carl, won't you stay here? Won't you stay here and play with me? And Carl, take your headphones off now. Durf, you are staring into these flames, these green flames as Ilara fades from view. And then the whole vision around you fades from view. And it comes back again and you stand in front of a warm cabin looking out at a large pond in the center of a field of grass. Your land and all of a sudden the vision changes like someone's almost changing the channel and you hear and you see Eleanor holding 
a limp Sierra in her arms as Pip buries his face into his mother's leg. And just like that, it comes back to your vision before. And you see fish leaping out of the water and great beasts of all shapes and sizes that graze amongst the hill. And the vision fades again. And you see the empty gaze of Tess as she lies dead on the arcane tower floor. Once again, back to the vision. You feel a touch on your hand as a small blonde girl looks up at you. And another touch on your left shoulder. And Simon, Patch, and Aaron are being overrun by horrifying great creatures as they defend the gates of Corby helplessly. And back. And you turn to see the touch from your shoulder. It's Alexa. Her long brown hair flutters in the breeze. It's me, Durf. I'm here. Stay with me. Take your headphones off. All right. Yep. Tug. Okay. Tug, you stand staring at this flaming green bulb um, and Ilara fades from view and the vision changes and it comes back and you're standing behind a wide oak bar in a tavern full of patrons. You're juggling tankards around with your hand and feet as the customers just cheer you on, waiting in a long line to order an ale from a man they call the best bartender on the island. Your mother smiles as she moves from table to table, distributing your perfect pours to the happy crowd. Beside you behind the bar is your father. He's laughing heartily at your shenanigans for the hundredth time today. A bar towel is slung over his shoulder and he's got a goblet in his hand. As the last of your patrons exit the tavern doors for the night, he pours you a beer and he says, I'm proud of you, son. Will you stay here? Will you tend this bar with me? Okay, now everyone can put their headphones on. So you all see these visions um, and Durf and Carl... Your vision was hazy. Your vision was hazy. You were seeing some other things in there broken up. Uh, You weren't getting the full kind of effect of this spell that she was casting on you. Um, So you actually come to and you see Tug gliding basically on his tippy toes across the stone floor headed directly for this glass bulb of swirling flame. Except in the bulb... You don't see flames anymore. You see faces. You see hundreds of them. Hundreds of shapeless figures wailing silently behind the glass as they swirl around something else you see in this bulb. It's like a small golden light in the center of it all that's expanding outwards. What do you do? Um, I'm going to try to tackle Tug away from the... You said I'm the only one, or Carl is also kind of... You and Carl, all, you you turn to Carl, and you see that he's kind of snapped out of this, too. And Alara is just basically very close to Tug, and her eyes are glowing green, and all you see is the back of Tug as he's soaring and gliding across the floor towards the bulb. Okay. Well, so if I can't... If tackling him out of the way is not logistically possible, I would have, like, grab him by the foot... Do something. I'm going to, you know, pull him away or tackle him away. Okay. Physically prevent him from going into that 
whatever that is. All right. Um, roll a strength against Tug's strength. Tug, you got to roll. <laughs> that's I have miserable strength. So that's good. So do I. So four would be good. <laughs> Five. <laughs> nice. Oh shit. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, you tackle Tug to the ground, and he falls, and he turns to you, and you look into his eyes, and they are glowing with a green fire. And he is down, and you're holding on to him, but he is struggling against it. Carl, what do you want to do? Uh, I'm going to dash past Tug, and I'm going to, to try and smash open the glass enclosure. Fuck Yes. Fuck yes. Roll an attack roll. 23. Hell yeah. Okay, you... What do you, What weapon are you using? Uh, I'm going to go at it with the shield and just kind of try and ram it. Like As I get close to it, launch myself flying shield straight into it. All right. Very nice. You charge at this glass with your shield out faced forward and you smash into it, and the glass spiders outward and then shatters. Okay, I'm going to read a bunch of stuff here, so just pay attention. <laughs> I didn't expect you to get to that that quick, but nice. When you said you were going to shatter that, I was like, fuck, yes, I'm glad. <laughs> okay. Elora screams a scream that goes beyond just sound. It enters your soul, and you feel as though the very fiber of your being is being ripped apart. Tug, you immediately jerk back into consciousness as the green fire from your eyes fades. The sounds of her scream is muffled only by the wailing of the forms that burst from the bulb. Human faces behind shapeless green forms begin to swirl all around you, soaring up and out of the lighthouse dome, shattering the glass panels in the walls and the ceiling. You look up to see green spidery cracks begin to glow in the blue sky, spreading and joining together in a web that expands outwards and down towards the horizon. As it expands, the skies peel away to reveal a cavernous stone surrounding the lighthouse on all sides. An illusion, you think to yourself. The screaming goes on as the web continues to spread down past the horizon and across the sea and up along the beach, leaving nothing but the stone walls of a giant cavern behind it. It creeps over the jungle barrier, leaving in its wake the broken sails and shattered masts and hulls of dozens of ships where tall trees and thick brush once stood. The village is next. Town square and tavern, lush field and farm slowly take their real form as the web washes over them. When it finally reaches the lighthouse, you find yourself staring down at a wasteland of gray stone and crumbled buildings hundreds of years old. The shouts from your comrades below jerk you back into focus as you look down and see what can only be disfigured undead bodies of the former townsfolk descend upon them. As the last of the souls fly from the bulb to surround Alara, a golden ring falls to the ground with a clink. It bounces twice before rolling towards Carl's feet where it settles to the ground. And you look down at your hands as you feel this immense pain and see that the marks have returned. Ilara is continuing to scream as this green forms kind of swirl around you. And you see the human-esque part of her body fade away. And all that's left is this wiry kind of black uh, creature with these tendrils coming out. 
and her face is just basically a skull with these two green eyes. Um, you're staring at a lich who is screaming into the night uh, and is off to the side as the ring falls to your feet, Carl. What do you guys want to do? Wait, is she, so wait, she left? So we are not still engaged there? in combat yet? She's correct? still there. She's off to the side. Just basically, you don't know if she's just angry or if she's being attacked or she's in pain. Whatever it is, she was looking um, extremely powerful. But we say. can es- attempt to escape without an attack of opportunity. Sure, yeah. Uh, I'm going to scoop up the ring okay. and start heading down, making my way out of the tower, trying to get back to the town to see if we can save Sierra, Eleanor, Pip, everybody. Okay. Uh, you too? Yeah, Durf will uh, do that too. I don't I don't think Tug would leave, um, especially given the impact of what he saw. Um uh, I'd kind of. I think Tug is kind of like in a crying rage right now, mm-hmm. and beside himself, I think he attacks the lich. Okay, you guys see him run the opposite direction and run towards this lich with just a, a fiery rage. Well, Durf will notice that Tug's going back, and he's not going to leave him hanging, so he'll stop. And turn back, albeit reluctantly. Okay. Carl? So... Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to cast Command on Tug. Okay. Um, I'm going to look at Tug, point at him, and just stare into his eyes and tell him, Approach. Approach you? So, yep, approach okay. me. All right. So he has to make a wisdom save? Yep. 15. What's your DC? Probably a 14 or a 15. 13. 13. Okay, so yeah, so you point and you try to stop Tug, but he is barreling forward towards this lich, and the lich is just screaming as these these glowing green forms just swirl around her like a tornado. Tug, what are you going to do? As... The Lich's screams continue as Tug approaches. His He begins to just kind of like ramp up into his own scream, yell, uh, what have you. And is, is just gearing up to unleash everything he has. Um either into the swirling spirits or the lich itself, he is looking to fight his way in. Okay. Uh, Brouch, roll an attack. Uh, just like a normal attack sequence? Yeah, like what or you just would one? do. You, you can reach her on this. Okay. Um, then in his rage, he's using uh, a key point to use flurry of blows for a total of four attacks. Okay. Uh, nine. Shit, okay. Yeah, you leap forward, um, just ready to pummel this lich with uh, your fists. And as you get close and you leap into this swirling mass of bodies, um, she bursts. Her form bursts, and this green cloud kind of dissipates 
uh, and grows and lifts up high above the center of the lighthouse and begins twisting around above the lighthouse in this cavern. So she basically just floats upwards. You still hear the screams from this shapeless form, but she joins these spirits as they start to circle above the lighthouse. And you look up and it's pretty an incredible scene where you just see this central pillar of green flame as these spirits are circling up above, just hundreds and hundreds of them, and they're still pouring out from the center of the lighthouse. Um, can Durf try to... I don't know if there's like an obvious source or something, um, but there, it, it, a magical effect is a thing. Can I try to dispel magic and, I don't know, stop whatever's happening, which seems pretty fucked up? Let's see. What 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 do you have to do when you roll that? Choose one creature, object, or magical effect within range. And okay. any spell of third level or lower on the target ends. For each spell, fourth level or higher, make an ability check using your spellcasting ability. The DC equals 10 plus the spell's level. Okay, go ahead and uh, roll it. It's going to be quite a high roll. Six. Okay, no, you <laughs> raise your hands up and just are trying to feel out this magic, but it is, is it so immensely powerful? It's like hitting a brick wall. It's like your mind is hitting a brick wall when this is happening. And as these spirits are swirling around the top, the stone from the cavern starts to crumble, and you see boulders just fly down from the cavern, break off off the walls, and slam down into the broken ships and slam down into the fields near Abbey and near the town. And it seems like this whole cavern is about to just cave in on itself slowly. Seeing that my command failed, I yell to Tug, uh, Tug, you have to bottle and control your pain, your sorrow. The people down below, they need us now. Think of Eleanor and Sierra and Pip, all the others. We need to go and save them. Tug, um, hearing Carl's words just kind of cut through the scream and all the commotion, kind of like turns his head and like acknowledging that he heard Carl and kind of turns back. And then kind of does like the sidestep shuffle reluctantly and then starts moving at, at full pace towards the exit. Uh, Durf, Durf will follow. All right, so you guys all head straight for that big oak door again and you go down the spiral staircase, leaping several steps at a time. Uh, as you climb down this this lighthouse, a splintering crack just follows you along the wall as more giant chunks of white stone fall behind you uh, and along the inside of the lighthouse, seemingly right behind the staircase as you take these steps. Uh, the building seems to be aging every second as the screams and the wails continue from the outside. Uh, you finally burst through the entrance um, out to the rough dirt stone cavern floor. And you look to your right, and you see Sierra and Eleanor desperately trying to break through a horde of undead to get to Pip, who is being cornered against a wall by two disfigured children. You look to your left, and you see Abby being pinned down, fending off the bites of a four-legged shell of a beast. 
Up ahead, you see Tarkin on a mound of crumbled stone, swinging his accordion down at more undead attempting to climb up at him. The scream of Alara continues up above, mixed with the wailing of souls that circle the top half of the lighthouse. All around the cavern walls, crumbled stone crashes to the ground with a splash of water and the splintering of smashed wood. <laughs> Durf again says, Called it! <laughs> and then walked right into it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Tug's gonna beeline for Pip. Give me a perception check. I mean, just a group perception check. Uh, 21 for Tug. 17. Okay. okay. Uh, nine for Carl. Okay. Uh, so two of you passed. That's good enough. Um, you guys recognize the situation is dire, clearly. And you understand that you've basically got two choices here. You can all go together and try to save one of them, one group of your comrades, or you can try to split up and potentially save all of them. Split up. Yeah, I'm going for Pip. He's the only one I can carry or help. So. Okay, so Durf and Carl, you see Tug make a beeline for Pip and these children. Um, I'll head for Abby. We bonded. We got a okay. bond. Shocker. I'll go for Tarkin. You head straight for Tarkin, who is fighting these zombies as they climb up this mound. Uh, why don't we work through... I don't know. Who wants to go first? I'll go. All right. Uh, Tug, since, yeah, since you said you were going to go off first, Tug, um, you make a beeline forward, and in front of you is Pip, who's kind of cornered against the wall, Eleanor and Sierra seem like they're holding their own, just kind of battling off this horde of of undead that's approaching them, but they can't seem to burst through to get to you. But in front of you is Pip cornered and two kind of like disfigured crawling children that are quickly coming up to him. Making for a beeline, uh, Tug yells back, I'll meet you back at the ship. And... um, Literally, Tug's main focus is just to knock these two undead things off balance, whether that's a shoulder charge or whatever, grab Pip, and then fire the cable call to just drag himself away quickly. Okay. Go ahead and roll me in, uh, I guess you're powering through them. Roll me an athletics roll. I'm going to use my last key point to automatically succeed. Fuck yeah. Okay. Using my tat monkey tattoo. Okay. Yeah. The power of the monkey on your ass burns slightly, <laughs> but it's a good burn. Tingles. As you power through these two zombie children that just fold and and fly off to the left and the right, uh, and you snatch up Pip, and you leap from this crumbled building, and where are you pointing your cable call? Um, something in the distance that can just immediately create a separation so that we can continue running the rest of the way to the ship. Okay. Um, so without knowing exactly what the surroundings are, right. yep. that's kind of my game plan. You, you point the cable call in the general direction of where you think you came from, um, and you point it at some of this broken hull of a ship and a cable latches out and grabs you and pulls you forward. Uh, Durf, why don't we go with you next? So you see, you run towards the fields where Abby was, 
and you see him being pinned down by this large, basically skeleton of a beast with these long bull horns and this scaly long body. And Abby sees you. Abby sees you, and he's like, like help, help. Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna run up to Abby and use enhance ability on him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nice. Uh, which gives me there are. Uh, different effects I can bestow with that. Um, I'm going to use Bull's Strength, okay. which gives him advantage on strength checks and his carrying capacity doubles. Okay, nice. So do you have to touch him to do this? Yes. Okay. So tell me what this actually looks like, like when you're casting it. Um, It's like, you know, Druidy, so it's green. And I imagine sort of like a spirit bomb type uh, animation where I'm touching him and the earth itself is kind of uh, glowing and uh, reaching around him with light. And then he's strong as fuck. He was already strong as fuck. Now he's extremely strong as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. So with this spell, this gold, this green glow comes up and surrounds uh, surrounds Abby and together, you guys just with a just shove this creature off and it rolls over three or four times to the left. And he lifts up from the ground and he grabs you around the collar and lifts you up, um, looking at you like with confusion in his eyes. It's, so the monster he was fighting is kind of out of commission. Well, yeah, it's like 10 feet off to the left as Abby just kind of shoved it off to the side and it rolled over a few times. Okay. We could say narratively, it's not going to attack you if you guys choose to run. Well, I can't, I, I'm going to tell him, hey, man, you, you get back to the ship. I'm going to go help my friends. Okay. He looks at you, um, and at first he's, like, very hesitant, but he, he trusts you. So he nods. He says, mm, 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 and he drops you down and sprints towards where he sees Tug and Pip just knocking uh, undead creatures that are are chasing after him to the side and you run off where are you running no i was telling him to go back to the ship i was gonna go help oh he is but he's running towards pit who is already saved by tug oh tug are you okay okay got it Uh, i will go to carl okay so you run towards carl and carl you're up um and you are running straight towards a horde of about five or six zombies that are just crawling up this large mount of stone and Tarkin is like, boy, to Carl, Carl, help me, help me. All right, so uh, seeing Tarkin in trouble, I take off sprinting at him and knock zombies, clearing them out of the way, leaping onto the boulder. I grab him by the scruff of the neck and I cast Misty Step and try and teleport him with me. Okay, sweet. In- Towards where? Towards uh, the direction that we've seen Tug, Pip, Abby go. Okay. Durf's going to see me disappear, kind of see the general direction I'm going, understand right. what I'm going to do, nice. and head that way. Give me uh, just an athletics roll. That's a pretty hefty thing that you want to do, all that pushing zombies. So just give me a good athletics roll. See if you can do it. Yeah, that's going to be easy. 21. Yeah, okay, yeah, you do it. You shove, you have your shield out and chill ran, and you were just shoving zombies left and right as you were climbing up to this mound, and you grab 
uh, a hold of Tarkin's accordion, and you, Misty Step, you just vanish into thin air, um, and you appear 30 feet towards Tug and Pip as you're running for the same spot they are. Um, and I'd say Sierra and Eleanor, after seeing that Pip is safe with Tug, manage to push through the zombies that they are fighting back with 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 punches and kicks and with arrows, and uh, they they break through. They find a break in the in the horde, and they sprint towards you. And you guys run through um, up and underneath this this mass of broken ship sails and masts as you just hear the groaning and the wailing and the screaming of all this chaos that goes on behind you. And you finally emerge through a tunnel um, and you can hear the distant shouts of Captain Jacob as the Reliance has made its way um, back onto the sea, just barely off the beach. Durf realizes that Carl already saved uh Tarkin, and instead of going to help, also runs away. Yeah, I never, yeah, I never, uh, I never <laughs> yeah, said that. That's true. Yeah, I, I, I figured you might do that and not stay back with the whole undead army. Of, and actually, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll cast fog cloud behind us. Uh, oh, nice. Okay. Hopefully, it sounds like narratively I don't need to do that, but I'll, I'll, I'll cast fog cloud behind us, and uh, they won't be able to see us as we run away. Hopefully. All right, nice. So as you're kind of like heading up the rear after all this, you cast Fog Cloud, uh, and it does. It slows these zombies that are chasing you down. Um, and you guys erupt from the the mass of broken ships to find your ship in, it looks like seafaring condition, and Captain Jacob sees you and he calls you, Oh, boys, get your ass up here. We gotta go. And he lowers this big rope uh, ladder down to the beach. Uh, yep. Durf says, yep, Penguin Tour's over. <laughs> Let's do it. And he climbs up onto the ship. All right. Doug follows suit. He's on the ship. All right. Everybody's climbing back up on the ship. Okay, so you reach the top and the sails of Reliance unfurl. The ship groans as it pushes through the shallow waters and back out to the open sea. You turn to see the once looming spire of stone above crumbling and breaking apart. All around you, giant boulders of dragon spire are crashing down into the waters of the ocean. Wide cracks begin to open from its base as beams of green light penetrate the night sky from within. And your ship is traveling and it gets about 50 feet off the coast of this island. And this is just like a cataclysmic event this island is crumbling apart as giant stones are falling and crashing and tumbling down into the ocean and then something both completely incredible and horrifying happens even more so than the shit that's gone down already the island begins to rise from the sea the spire tilts backwards and away from your ship crashing hard against the water below with a splash In fact, all of the stone of the island seems to crumble away and into the foaming waters as what was previously submerged below Dragonspire comes into view. A swirling and expanding sphere of green energy from the center of it all illuminates the outline of the shape as it rises from the waters and turns to face at you. You stand on the deck of Reliance, facing a quarter-mile-wide, island-sized head of a glowing 
animated and angry ancient skull of a dragon. The, the skull is a quarter of a mile wide? Correct. Uh, Durf turns around and starts uh, going... <laughs> blowing on the sails so we can go away from the skull faster. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Fuck that. He does, he does do that, and then he remembers that he's a fucking magician, and... <laughs> Uh, uses um, what the fuck is the name of the spell? Gust Maybe. of wind on the sails. Oh, oh nice. Okay, <laughs> which is actually a thing yeah. he can do. <laughs> um, let's see. Hang on. What does it do? Uh, gust of wind. A line of strong wind, sixty feet long and ten feet wide, blasts from me in the direction I choose for the spell's duration, which is up to a minute. Um, each creature that starts its turn in line with must succeed on a strength saving throw, but that doesn't really matter because I'm not doing it yep. at anyone. Yep, you're good. You're good. You cast it. Yep. So you cast it, and from your hands, this immense gust of wind blows through the battered sails of the Reliance, and you guys pick up speed as you travel further and further away from this dragon's skull. What are you two doing? Uh... Tug, upon getting onto the ship, just kind of crumbles. He just collapses. Damn, alright. I'm gonna stand there and just kind of stare at the, the dragon skull in wonder. Having never really seen something so massive before. Nice, nice. Okay, um... So as the ship just travels further back, uh, Tug and Dur- uh, Tug and Carl just stand there in in both exhaustion and frustration and awe. Um, and and Sierra comes over to you, Tug, and she pulls you up by the scruff of your neck, and she's like, she's like, I thought you were tough. You can't just stand there. We got to take care of this thing. And you see as the just giant dragon skull opens its mouth and lets out this just immense roar as this flash of green in inside of it lights up the night sky and it starts barreling towards your ship. Uh, Tug, you said Sierra comes up to him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, without really raising his voice or anything like that, he he just looks at her and, and <clears throat> he just looks at her and says, "No." Nope. <laughs> nope. I'm totally done with this shit. And he just walks past her to the other side of the ship. And Jim and Jacob are are watching this happen. And uh, Jacob just kind of shakes his head and, and Jim walks over to Carl and, and speaks out to the crew and and he says, Men, this isn't going to get any easier. Man your battle stations, fire cannons. We got to take this thing out. And do they? No. <laughs> <laughs> and the crew, the crew runs, the crew runs to man the cannons and they load up round shots and they they turn them back towards this approaching doom and fire the cannons um and they the cannons soar high up into the air and you see little bits and pieces of stone crumble as they collide with this dragon skull but still it pursues you 
So I can still do other stuff, even though I'm using a concentration spell, right? I just can't use another concentration spell. Right. I don't. That I don't have a plan, but good to know. <laughs> Carl, what are you doing during all this? Uh, seeing that the cannons really had no effect on this uh, dragon, I go. I run below deck and start pushing the heavy cannons out of their little holes. Uh, pushing them off the ship to make the ship lighter in an attempt to flee faster. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. He says some of the crew go and join you and you guys unhinge the cannons and one by one you start to push them off and the speed of the ship does increase um, as you make some distance between you and the dragon. Tug does nothing. He's on, he's on, he's on the bow <laughs> of the ship and he's just... He's watching everybody running around, and he's just shaking his head, looking at the giant quarter-mile-wide dragon skull, and he just keeps shaking his head and shrugging his shoulders like, I don't know, this, no, this is bullshit. I don't know, fuck this. this is, he just keeps muttering, and he's not really driven to take action. He's just wallowing in himself and the situation and just in the most base of terms, is just over it. He's just completely done with it. Is this due to your vision? It's compounding interest is what like what I'm trying to portray here. It's like everything up until now is just compounding interest, and this was just kind of like, yep, dragon skull, fuck this. Like, this is absolute Right, just, like there's no way insane. we're getting out of this. Why am I even trying kind of thing? Right. Okay. All right. Well, Durf will use mending on the sa- the sails are kind of tattered, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've got a cantrip called mending. Uh, we'll just try and mend the sails a little bit, squeeze as much uh, juice as we can out of them. Okay. All right. Yeah, you mend the sails, and slowly the sails begin to almost stitch back together. Um, and your speed picks up once again. You are basically, you feel that you are going at the maximum capacity speed that this ship could possibly travel at. And at this point, I think you are kind of, the dragon skull is not necessarily um, uh, closing in on you. You guys are staying at pretty much the same distance like you've matched its speed. Tell me again, the our little pocket portal things. Mm-hmm. <coughs> How do those work? <laughs> yeah, you drop down a a pebble-sized little nugget uh, anywhere, right. and it opens up a portal that you can jump through. You can leave through. All right. And how how long does the portal stay open? Uh, I don't know, fifteen seconds. We'll say. How many people are on our shift? <laughs> <laughs> um, there's about fifty people on your ship. Most of the passengers have run back below deck. But we have more than one of these pocket portal things, right? Yeah. All right. Got a plan. Okay. Tug and Durf, we have all these pocket portals. We gather everybody below deck. We each drop one, push people through the portal to the tower. Once everybody's through, we go through. Boom. Safe from the dragon. All we're out is a boat. Everybody's alive. Yeah, I don't want to get eaten by a skeleton monster, so... Seems like seems like a, a good idea. Sure. 
Tug grabs his pocket portal, smashes it on the ground, and walks through. All right. Um, you cast this pebble down, and it smashes against the deck, and this wide blue portal opens, and you begin to leap in. And Carl, you begin to push people in as they leap through. Uh, Durf, you go go down deck, and are you saying to any, anything to the passengers? Okay, okay. Pirate uh, encounter over. Dragon encounter. Surprise. Great value from this trip. Also over. We're headed on another detour to the Mage's Tower. <laughs> okay. And you guys should definitely come, or um, <laughs> you're going to have a death encounter also included on you your trip. You won't be getting your deposit back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, but then uh, Tug goes back to being sullen and pops the portal. No, Tug, Tug, you leap through and your portal closes. Carl, you run to the quarterdeck where Captain uh, Jacob and Jim and Sierra and Eleanor and you tell them, get the fuck in the portal as you cast it down and you guys leap in. Durf, you go to the bottom and when it's all said and done, all the passengers and all the crew and all the people of the Reliance leap into the portal as the ship is left empty and the dragon skull descends. to give a very special shout out to our $5 or more patrons, Jonathan Huff, William Martin and his buddy Hugh Jars, Elemental.fm, Joshua Hebert from the Alignment and Clear podcast, Jack Mega, Noah Body, Nick Vukalich, Vitaly Vasilyuk, David Ginsberg from the Tales from the Fandom podcast, Connor Breeden, Joe Quickle from the Dad D&D podcast, Adam Chaumont, Adam Hoffling, Olivia Fumiati, Joshua Fieni, Jonathan Zeman, Jason Rittman, Jaquela, Joshua Motzinger, Nicole Chapin from the Redshift Podcast, Noah Hunt, Marco Olofsson, Ian Coughlin, Dan McStockerson, Jesse Jones, Michael Carpenter, David Barron, Eric Hancock, and Blake Tolliver. You guys are so freaking sweet. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.